If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 9 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, that's page 141 in the Pew Bible. Page 141 in the Pew Bible. And if you do not have a Bible, uh, then you take that pew Bible home with you. That's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that as our gift to you. Uh, we are looking towards the, the new year. Uh, we're right here getting ready for New Year's. It's coming this week. And as we, we think about the new year, this, of course, is a time of reflection. When we think back to the, the past year, now we might not reflect too much about, about 2020, uh, we would like to probably like to forget all about 2020 and press on to a new year and, and get a new fresh start. Uh, but as we think about this past year, we also get ready for the new year, the next year ahead. This is a time that we, we think about making new commitments, recommitting certain uh, commitments, and then making new commitments as well. And so what a great time to, to think about our commitment to the Lord. And when we think about making new commitments, of course, there are many things that we, many great commitments that we can make. Uh, of course, there, we can commit to spending more time with our family and, and devoting more time with our family. What a great thing to do. Uh, we can commit to a better health, uh, to take care of ourselves a little bit better. It's, it's diet time, right? We, we want to get over the the Christmas goodies and, and get on the, the next, the new diet. So uh, we want to take care of our, our physical condition. Uh, that's a good commitment to make. Uh, we can make all kinds of commitments for self-improvement. And all of these are our good New Year's resolutions to make, new, good, uh, new commitments to make as we look forward to the new year. But the best commitment that we can make is a commitment to studying, reading, and studying God's Word, spending time with God's Word, devoting ourselves to God's Word. So as we look towards this new year, I want us to commit, make a commitment to ourselves and to one another as fellow church members, making a commitment to one another to devote ourselves to God's Word. What a better thing to commit ourselves with, to. Uh, what, do we, what do we get? What do we obtain? What, how do we benefit from committing ourselves to devotion to God's Word? Well, number one, we get to know God better, right? That's how we know God. We, we know God through His Word. That's how He's revealed Himself to us. This is, we call this the revelation of God. This is God's revelation to us. He, he's revealed Himself to us through His Word. We can't know God. We can't really know God outside of his word. So when we devote ourselves to God's word, we are devoting ourselves to getting to know God better. As we devote ourselves to God's word, we become more like Christ. We learn about more, more about Christ and, and how to be like Christ. So we, we grow in Christ's likeness by devoting ourselves to God's word. And perhaps the, the best reason to devote ourselves to God's Word is because devoting ourselves to God's Word demonstrates our love for God. It demonstrates our love for God. And I want to show us 
today how that comes about. As Christians, we demonstrate our love for God by devoting ourselves to God's Word. As Christians, we demonstrate our love for God by devoting ourselves to God's Word. So I want us to, to see that today. I want us to understand how devoting ourselves to God's Word, really, it, it's a way that we express our love for God. I want us to see that today. So I, I want to start this morning by showing you how devotion to God's Word demonstrates our love for God. Then I'm going to show, how, uh, I'm going to show you what such devotion looks like. What does that look like in your life? And then, finally, I want to, to set before you a challenge for 2021. I want to give you a challenge for 2021, uh, a way for you to commit yourself to God's Word this year. Today we are in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Now, Deuteronomy is Moses' last address to the people of Israel before they enter into the promised land and before he dies. So, this literally is Moses' Moses's last words, if you will. And, and the whole book is kind of like a sermon. It's a sermon, to his, it's his last sermon to the people of Israel. Now, when we come to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9, especially 4 and 5, uh, this is, I mean, this is like John three sixteen for Christians. Uh, this, is, this is Old Testament Jews, it's their John three sixteen. Uh, this is one of the most important, most essential Bible verses for Jewish people. Even today, still Jewish people really come back to this. They call this verse the Shema, the Shema, uh, because it starts that way. Shema Israel is how this verse starts. And if you see in the English there, it's, it reads, O hear, O Israel. And, and that's what Shema means. It means hear. And so if you've ever seen a Jewish person walking around, maybe they have a necklace that looks like a fancy W, uh, that's the, the Hebrew letter Shem. And so it, it's what Shema starts with. And, and so they, they wear that necklace as a reminder of this verse. So it's a very important verse. It was a very important verse to the Israelites, to Jews today, and it should be a very important verse for we as Christians as well. It tells us a lot about who God is and how we can demonstrate our love for God. So, as we, if you found your place there, please stand with me as we read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk, uh, talk of them when you sit in your houses and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your, house, of your house and on your gates. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. 
Well, as we begin to, to look at this verse, uh, now, we need to understand, and I'm just going to state this right off the bat here, I could spend a whole sermon just on verse, that first verse there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, I could really focus in on the Lord is one, and, and we could talk about that for the, our whole time here this morning. Uh, we see here a very important doctrine of God, a characteristic of God, oneness of God. God is one. Right? He is one. There is one God and only one God. And God is one. Now, as New Testament Christians, the New Testament tells us God exists as one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's not three gods. There's one God. But this one God exists in three persons. And we can't understand that. We can't explain that. I've heard a lot of metaphors about the Trinity, what, how the Trinity works. It's like ice or it's like you know, water, it's like uh, an egg, it's like all of these. But all of those metaphors break down because none of them really represent the oneness of God, that God is one God who exists in three persons. And we're not going to get into that today. Right? That's not the, the focus of today's message. We need to understand that God is one God. There's only one God. There's not many gods. Buddha is no God. Allah is no God. There's one God, and that's the God of the Bible. And this God exists in three persons, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that, and we need to accept that through faith, even though our little old human mind can't comprehend how God exists as one God and three persons, we accept that by grace through faith. That's what God says about himself. If we could understand God, he wouldn't be God, would he? He is infinitely greater than we are. And so we trust what the Bible says about him, what God says about himself. And we just have to leave it there. And so that's where we're going to leave it today. That, that's not the focus of this message. I wanted to, to get to the heart of this message and what it tells us how we devote ourselves to this one God. So as we begin to think about our devotion and devoting ourselves to God's word today, the first thing that we need to understand as we begin to think about this is that God's word is a gift of God's loving grace. God's word is a gift of God's loving grace. God's word is a gift of grace, not a condition of grace. That's what I want to get at here. God's word is a gift of grace, not a condition of grace. Now, when we see that, we, see, we have that implied here in, in this text, but it's it's explicitly stated in the book in, in Deuteronomy prior to this. So, so we need to understand that foundation before we talk about devoting ourselves to God's Word, about obedience to God's Word. We need to understand that God's Word is a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace, not a condition of grace. Here, look at our verse here in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. That's important, right? This is our God. Yahweh is our God. 
He's not their God. He's not somebody else's God. He's not just a God that's out there. He is our God. Now, how is he our God? Well, to understand how he is our God, especially speaking of the Israelites in this case, in in the context of Deuteronomy, uh, flip back just a page there, or it may be on the same page for you, but the the former chapter, chapter 5, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and look at verses 1 through 6 there. This really lays down the foundation of grace for the people of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1, And Moses summoned all, the, all of Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall, le- and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with you, or excuse me, with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the, the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the, Lord, the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, we're talking about, and what Moses is talking about here, he, he has just given the people of Israel the law of God. He's given them the law of God. That, that was the word of God for them. Everything that God had spoken to the people of Israel up to that point, all the revelation that God had given up to that point, Moses laid it out before them. And he says, here's the law of the Lord. Here is the word of God. Be careful to obey it. Be careful to learn it and obey it. Now, he is not telling them that to, that, that, that they may receive God's grace, but he is giving that to them as a gift of God's grace. God's grace has already saved them. Right? God's gift, is already, grace has already saved them. It was by God's grace alone that he, he called the people of Israel up out of slavery. They were in bondage in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And God freed them from their slavery to take them into the land of promise. So this wasn't a condition. It wasn't like God was saying, hey, do this and I'll save you. God says, I'm going to, I saved you. Now here's my word. As a gift of my grace to you, here is my word to you. And it's the same for us. We need to understand and we need to lay this foundation first and foremost. As we devote ourselves to God's Word, to learning God's Word and obeying God's Word, we don't learn God's Word and obey God's Word to receive God's grace. We obey it, we we study it, we learn it, we obey it because we're saved. Because God's grace has already saved us. We don't save ourselves through obedience to God's Word. God's grace saves us. And God's grace gives us the gift of his word so that we might learn it and obey it. God's word is a gift of grace to you, not a condition of grace. 
You, you don't study God's word to win his favor. You've got his favor. You've got his favor. He loves you and he died for you. Knowing that, now receive his word. God's word is a gift of grace, not a condition of grace. Second here, God's word is a good gift of grace. It is a good gift of grace. Look back at our verse there in, in uh, verse 3. Uh, excuse me. Chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, this is just a little bit before our verse. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3 says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that is the, the law, the word of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Notice there, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you. This is a gift of God's grace, and it is a good gift of God's grace. It's a blessing, right? God gives his word because it's good. Every gift that comes from God is a good gift. His word is a good gift. God gives us his word so that we can live by his word so that it might go well with us. Life is a little bit better when we start paying attention to God's word when we live according to God's word why because God created us to be a, a certain way to do certain things he created this this universe to operate in a certain manner and it's like God says here's the rule book right Here, here's the way things go Here, here's the way I made things to function and, and if you kind of follow in with the way I make things function it's going to go well for you if you obey my word, if you follow my word, life is going to be a little bit better. Not that it's perfect here in the sin-filled world, but it's going to be better, right? Husbands, if you love your wife as Christ loved the church, it's going to go better for you. Wives, if you respect your husbands and follow their leadership, that's the way God designed it to be. It will be better for you. When we honor God's word and we follow God's word and we live according to, to God's created order, things fall into place better. Furthermore, we begin to receive more blessings from God as we honor him and, and we follow his way. He, he, he pours out more and more and more blessings upon us. God's word is a good gift. It, it's not to be burdensome. A lot of people look at God's word and they say all, all of those laws, all oh, they're just burdensome. Uh, they're burdensome, we, we can't do them. And yes, they, they're, they're, they are difficult for us living in these old sinful bodies because our sinful bodies want something else. They're hard in that sense. But God's word is not to be a burden upon us. It's a blessing for us. If we would just live by God's word, Life would be so much better. It would flow so much easier if we would just follow the word of the Lord. Think about this. Parents, you make rules for your kids for their benefit, do you not? You set certain rules for your children not to be mean, not to be a mean mom and daddy, right? You're not just setting those rules just to be cruel. You're setting rules for their benefit. Johnny, don't run with scissors. 
but mama, if, if I don't hurry up and cut this out, then sis is going to beat me, right? It's so burdensome. It's so hard. Your rule is so hard. But mama didn't make that rule to be burdensome. She made that rule so that Johnny don't run with scissors and fall on those scissors and hurt himself. And so it is with God's word. In our minds, sometimes we read some of the, uh, the, uh, some of the commands of the Lord and we think, man, that's hard. Because I want to do this other thing over here. I, I want to be like everybody else in the world. And, and, and I don't want the, the world to, to think, think I'm odd because I, I'm following God's plan for things. But I want you to see that God, he doesn't set those rules before us. He doesn't set his commands before us because he hates us. He sets them before us because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. God's word is a good gift of God's loving grace. We need to understand that. We need to appreciate that if we're ever going to devote ourselves to God's word. We must start with this understanding that God's word is a wonderful gift of God's loving grace. Next, we need to understand that devotion to God's word is an act of love for God. Devotion to God's word, God's word itself is a, a, an act of his loving grace towards us. He gives it to us as, as an act of his loving grace. But then, uh, on the other hand, devotion to God's word is an act of love for God. As we, we demonstrate our love for God, we demonstrate our love by following his word, being obedient to his word. Now we also understand here again that we are reciprocating God's love. 1 John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us, God first loved us, and so now we can love God. But this is an act of, God, of love towards God. Look at our verse there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, or excuse me, all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. In other words, you shall devote yourself to these words. You shall devote yourself to the word of God. What, what's Moses getting at here? He's getting at that love uh, manifests itself in devotion to God's word. Our love for God manifests itself in our devotion for God. When we look at this word here, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, all your heart, soul, and strength. Uh, we see this word here for love. Vahavata is the Hebrew word. But it means to have great affection or care for or loyalty to someone. That's what the word, the Hebrew word for love means. Now, when you get to the, the Greek Septuagint, and we've been talking about love in, in relation to 1 Corinthians. When you go to the Greek Septuagint, which was the, the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew text, it was the, the Bible that Jesus and the apostles used, the Greek uh, Septuagint translate this, translates this, this word for love here as uh, agapao, agapao, which is the verbal form of agape. 
and we've talked about agape love, right? We've been talking about in 1 Corinthians about the divine love, agape love. It's a divine love. It's a love that is active. It's not emotional. It's not just about emotions. It's not about feelings, but it's about doing. God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, for us. It, it's a, an, a, a kind of love that does, it works, it, it goes out and it takes action. And that's the same kind of love that we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That means do something. Demonstrate your love. Don't just let it be words. Don't let it just be words, but let your, your love flow through activity, through action. If a husband tells his wife, dear, I love you, but then goes out and has an affair, his actions don't speak, don't, don't aim true with his words, right? You can say, I love you all day long and not mean a thing by that. Those are just words. But Scripture tells us to put action with our words. Let's show our love through activity, and that's what Moses is getting at here in this text. Put your word to the t or put your love out there. Prove your love through your activity, not just through your words. So love is active love is active love takes action it does it doesn't just speak it's not just an emotional feeling it's not just the fuzzies but love is action love is action next love involves the whole person love involves the whole person that's what he gets at here when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, when we look at these, these three words here, heart, soul, and might, we get the whole person. That's what, what, what uh, Moses is getting at here. He's talking about the whole person. Love God with your whole being. Heart and the Old Testament thinking. We need to understand that the, the Hebrew mindset here a bit when we talk about the heart the heart in the Old Testament, the Hebrew mindset, uh, the heart was the seat of intellect and will along with the emotions. And so when we talk about, oh, I, I, I love you in my heart, right? We're talking about an emotional kind of thing. But for the Hebrew mindset, uh, they thought of the heart not just as the heart, that seat of emotions, but they thought that is the, the seat of the intellect. And the will. And, and so when they say love the Lord with all your heart, they're saying love him with all your emotions and love him with all of your mind. The mind that drives the will. That's why Jesus, when he quotes this, Jesus is talking to uh, more of the Greek mindset in his day. And so when Jesus quotes this, he translates it in this way. He says, and you shall Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And so for us, we, we get that a little bit better. We're talking about the seat of emotions, the heart, 
but we're also talking about the mind, the intellect, the, the way we reason out things. We're to love the Lord our God with the heart and mind. We're also to love the Lord with all of our soul. The soul in the Hebrew mindset was the seat of a personality and the inner source of, of life and vitality. So it's the source of life in you. Love the Lord with all your soul, all of your being, your personality. We all have different personalities, don't we? But yet we're to love the Lord our God with our whole personality, who we are. And we're to love the Lord with all of our might or all of our strength. And this indicates more of the, the physical body. The physical body, when talking about strength or our might, he's talking about the, the, the body, this body that we're housed in. And, and so this has an indication of disciplining the body. We have to discipline the body, don't we? Because this old sinful body, it has its old sinful desires that go, go right along with it. Our body wants to do this thing when the Lord says, no, you, you need to run from that thing and you need to do this thing, right? You need to follow this path. And so it calls for us at times to discipline the body, to push away from the table and, and kind of refuse that next helping of supper. Discipline the body to control the tongue so we don't say things that we'll regret later on and things that are, are, are displeasing to the Lord. We have to discipline the body so we love the Lord our God with our strength, with our might, with our physical body. We, we discipline the body to come into living in obedience to the Word of God. And so we love the Lord our God with our whole being, every ounce of our being. That's what Moses is saying. We're to love the Lord with all of our being. Third, we're to we love by obeying love obeys love obeys it obeys the word of god john 14 15 jesus reiterates this same kind of principle if you love me you will keep my commandments how, how do you demonstrate your love for me jesus says how do you demonstrate your love by keeping my commandments by following my commandments these commandments are a loving act toward you. I'm giving them out of love to you. They'll, they'll make life better for you, more enjoyable for you. I'm giving you these commands. Now show your love in return by obeying my commandments. Obedience is an act of love. So as you devote yourself to God's word, you are actively demonstrating your love and appreciation for God. Again, this is not to win God's favor. You've won God's favor. Now demonstrate your love for God, your trust in the goodness of God by devoting yourself to God's word. Devote yourself to God's word. So now that we understand that God's word is a gift of God's loving grace and that devotion to God's word is an act of, of love on our part. Next, we need to see what devotion to God's word really looks like for us. Devotion to God's word means allowing God's word to permeate your life. 
Devotion to God's word means allowing God's word to permeate your life. It, it means to, to consume your life. It, you should absorb all of God's word into your life and just let the word of God ooze, if you will, out of your life. You, you take a sponge and you take that sponge and you drop it down in the, the dishwasher and and you let it absorb all the water, and you pick that sponge up, and, and the water just oozes out of it. That, that's how we should devote ourselves to God's Word. We, we just absorb all of God's Word that we can, so much so that, that when, when they pick us up, we just ooze God's Word. It should come out of us. How do we do that? First, by uh, allowing God's Word to permeate your mind. Allow God's Word to permeate your mind. Learn God's Word. Learn God's Word. Verse 6 here. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They should be in your mind. Remember, heart is the seat, not just the seat of emotion for the Hebrew mindset. It's the seat of the intellect. So take it in your mind. Put it in your mind. They shall be on your mind. Put them in your brain housing group, right? Put them in your, your mind. We see this at other places, especially in the Psalms. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This man puts the Word of God in his mind so that he can meditate on it day and night. Psalm, chapter one, uh, Psalm 119, verse 11, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Or you could read it like this, I have, stirred up the, I have stored up the, your Word in my mind that I might not sin against you. I put it in my mind, it is in there, so that I know how to live and I might not sin against you, O God. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight in your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. It's in my mind. I put it in my mind. Allow the Word of God to permeate your mind. Study God's Word. Study God's Word. That's the only way, right? That's the only way that we're going to get God's Word in our mind is by reading it and studying it, spending time in it. We don't learn through osmosis. You're not going to learn God's Word just by holding it in your hand or, or setting it by your bedside table and, and allowing it to sit there. It, it's not just going to kind of magically absorb into your, your mind that way. You've got to open the book. You've got to get in the book. You've got to spend time here reading the Word so that it gets into your mind. And not just one time, right? You, you can read this book. There's a lot of stuff here. This is thousands of pages right here. That, this is a lot of book. If you read it just one time and then, all right, I've read His Word, it hasn't permeated your mind because you've forgotten half of what you read or, or more. By the time you get to the end of it, you've you got to read it constantly. Every year we should devote ourselves to reading God's Word again and again and again and again. It never gets old. 
I mean, I've been reading God's Word for years now, and, and I always, it seems like all the time I'm finding something, oh, I didn't see that before. Oh, man, that's, that's I, I've never realized that. It never gets old. Read God's Word, study God's Word, put it in your mind. Allow the Word of God to permeate your mind. Second, allow the Word of God to permeate your way of life. Allow the Word of God to permeate your life. That is, apply God's Word to your life. It does really no good if you just learn God's Word. You've got to put God's Word in, in, into action. You, you've got to do it. You've got to apply it into your life. Notice what our text here says. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on, on your hand, and, you shall, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, they permeate your life. They're at every corner. Right, they're, they're everywhere about you. You allow them to permeate your life so much so that, that you're teaching them daily to your kids, right? It, it's not just about reading the Bible to your kids. All right, kids, let's sit down and read this. It, no, it's about as you go down, through, uh, down the road and your, your children or your grandchildren, they ask you a question and say, well, here's what God's Word says about that. Let, let's talk about what God says. Let's talk about how God says we should address that problem that you're dealing with. Man, we have, as a family, we've had some of the best Bible studies <laughs> driving on vacation. Just driving down through, you know, wherever, right? We're just driving down the road and, and Gabby will raise a question or Mary Beth will raise a question or I'll raise a question. And we'll just sit there and talk about how, how God answers that in his word. We've had some of the best Bible studies in our family just driving down the road. And that's how it ought to be. When you sit in your houses, when you're walking by the way, everywhere that you go, you, your life should be so permeated by the Word of God that, that you just talk about it. You, you look at every situation, every circumstance that arises, every problem that comes up in your life, and, and, and your first thought is not what Dr. Field says about it. Your first, word, your first thought is, what does God's Word say about it? How does God address this problem? Allow the Word of God to permeate your way of life. Put it into action. When you read God's Word, ask, Lord, what, what are you teaching me today? How can I apply this book, this chapter, this verse? How can I apply it to my life today? Allow God's Word to permeate your way of life. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks intently as at his natural face in the mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts will will be blessed in his doing Put the Word of God to action in your life. Do the Word of God. 
Don't just be a hearer. Don't just be a reader, but be a doer of God's word. Allow God's word to permeate your life. Uh, think about this old proverb, and I've, I've stated it a few times. What's down in the well comes up in buckets. Whatever you fill your heart with, whatever you fill your mind with, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. That's what's going to come out of your actions. If you listen to raunchy old music that's all about sex, drugs, and everything else that the world has to offer, then guess what your, your mind's going to think? Guess what kind of words are going to come out of your mouth? Guess what kind of activity your hands are going to do? But when you allow the Word of God to permeate your life, when you absorb it into your life, and what's down in your heart, what's down in your mind is going to come out in action. Devote yourself to God's Word by allowing God's Word to permeate your life. Now, how can we do this? And here's where we get to our challenge. This is our 2021 Bible reading challenge. I want to challenge you today to allow God's Word to permeate your life, to devote yourself to the Word of God. And so you have in your, your bulletin there, you have this handout, and uh, these, these may look familiar to you because we've, we've had them available every year. So every year we have our table set up, and, and we have three Bible reading programs set over there for you. And uh, you have the beginner, the intermediate, and the advanced. Well, this is the advanced one, uh, so, but, but don't get scared just yet, all right? This is the advanced, and so this is called the Machine Bible Reading Program or the Machine Bible Reading Plan. And if you read the whole thing, right, if you read the whole thing, if you go, this one is divided up into four uh, bookmarks. It has four bookmarks for you, so you can cut out the four bookmarks and put them in different places in your Bible. If you read the whole plan, if you do all four bookmarks, then you will go through the Old Testament once and the New Testament and the Psalms twice in a year. That's why I've always just called it the advanced program, because uh, it's not for the weary at heart. So uh, if you want to do the whole program, you're, you're more than welcome to do that. Read all four Use all four of the, the bookmarks there. But the good thing about this, pro, this plan here is, is that you can customize it a little bit, and so we're going to customize it a little bit. If you want to just read, say, uh, you're a beginner, and uh, you're just kind of getting started in, in this whole thing, and, and you need to kind of start slow, uh, put the training wheels on a little bit, well, just use bookmark number two and that's what we're going to use as a church family this year uh, we're going to start there with bookmark number two bookmark number two will take you through the new testament and the psalms in a year new testament and the psalms in a year and so it will take you about five minutes five minutes a day that's all i'm asking of you five minutes a day to read a, a, a basically a chapter a day all right that will take you through the New Testament and the Psalms once in a year. If you do the whole thing, it will only cost you about 20 minutes in a day. You, you can kind of figure about five minutes per bookmark. So uh, five minutes to do bookmark number two, going through the New Testament and Psalms in a year's time. 
Uh, if you want to kind of, all right, well, I can do that. That's no problem. You want to, you know, kind of add a little bit to that. You, you add in bookmark number one, and that'll take you through, uh, that'll take you through Genesis all the way down to Chronicles, the books of Chronicles, the historical books. If you want to add in the whole Bible in a year, add in bookmark number three, one, one two, and three, and, and that'll take you through the Old Testament and the New Testament once in a year. And again, if you want to do the advance and go through the New Testament twice, then throw in that fourth uh, bookmark and, and you'll have it done. But this year, I want to challenge you to at least do, at least do bookmark number one. That's why it's, or excuse me, bookmark number two. That's why it's highlighted on your, your handout there. At least do, the very least, do bookmark number two. Study it, read it, and study bookmark number two. Cut it out, put it in your Bible, go, go through there, devote yourself to at least that this year. Bookmark number two. And then as you go through bookmark number two, you're going to read it and you're going to study it a little bit. And so as you're reading through bookmark number two, as you're reading through that daily reading plan, as you start on Matthew 1.1, and move on to the next chapter. As you read a chapter, that every day that you read a chapter, I want you to think about the best verse in that chapter. Best verse. Look for the best verse in that chapter. Now, what do I mean? Now, that's hard to say because all the, all, the all the verses are best, right? This is God's word. There, there's not one that's least, uh, you know, we think about that. But, but I want you to pick out the best verse. That means I want you to pick out the verse that kind of just speaks to you that day. Right there, usually when I read the Bible, there, there's a verse that just kind of pops out at me. I'm like, wow, that, that really, that grabs me today. You know, God's trying to talk to me. He's trying to tell me something in that verse so i want you to pick out the best verse and write it down you're, you're gonna have to get a journal right you're gonna have to get a, a bible reading journal and so uh these little here here's my the one I, I typically use is this kind of a leather bound journal you can pick it up at walmart for a little bit of nothing i mean uh it's a little more than a plain notebook but but i like it because it's a little more you know i feel special doing it in a, in a little leather bound thing here so this is what I use so you can get one of these for a little bit of nothing at Walmart uh, or you can do something like this this is what Mary Beth uses she uses a, a little three ring binder and uh, you can take the three ring binder and you can buy notebook paper for these little three ring binders and put that note paper in there uh, you can also FYI you can take the sermon notes week by week and uh, you can buy a little three three uh, hole a hole punch for this size binder and uh, put your sermon notes in there every week. So there you got your whole Bible study journal in, in one little thing there. So you can do either one of those. Whatever you use, grab some kind of, of pen and paper and write down that best verse. Write it down. And then I want you to give me your best thought. Write out your best thought. How is God speaking to you through that verse? What does it mean? What's the author of that text saying? How do I apply this to my life? It doesn't have to be extravagant. You don't have to write a page worth. I mean, you can write a little paragraph, a few sentences, just your best thought on that best verse for that day. Just taking that little extra time and, and writing out the best verse and the best thought 
will make that portion of Scripture really stand out a little bit longer. It'll make it stick a little bit better. So pick out the best verse and write out your best thought on that verse. And then just throughout the day, meditate on that verse. Just think back about that verse. All right, well, yeah, that verse this morning, John 3, 16. Man, that stuck out to me. God so loved the world, he gave his, son, his only begotten son, that whosoever perish, uh, whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And, just out. and, and what does that mean for me? And, and man, God loved me, and he sent his son Jesus to die for me. I just want to rejoice in that today. Just meditate it. Just take time to think about it. Now, when we talk about meditation, we're not talking about emptying your mind. That's the secular kind of idea of meditation. Empty your mind. No, as Christians, we meditate by filling our minds. And we want to think about God's Word. We want to think about what He has said. So meditate on that verse just throughout the day. And man, if you will do that, if you will just do that, just those few little, take those few little steps. If you'll do that, You'll be amazed at how, how much more God's Word will just come into your life and begin to work its way out into your everyday life. You'll begin to see God's Word starting to permeate your life. Devote yourself to God's Word. Devote yourself to God's Word. Now, all the other things, if you want to work through and read through some of those other, those other bookmarks, awesome, great, do that. But as a church, I want us to devote ourselves to bookmark number two, to doing that, just picking out that best verse from bookmark number two daily, picking out that best verse, writing out the best thought, and meditating on that verse throughout that day. Will you do that? Will you devote to that today? Will you devote yourself to God's Word in 2021? Will you allow God's Word to permeate your life? Will you live in obedience to God's word? Demonstrating your love for God by living in obedience to his word. You'll never get saved doing this, right? You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But man, you'll get to know God better. Your relationship with the Lord will grow if you'll just take a small step, five minutes a day, to devote yourself to God's word. Oh, how your relationship with him will grow. Devote yourself to God's word in 2021. Now, if you're here and you're, you're listening in, oh, by the way, if you are not here today and you're following online, uh, then you don't have the little handout here of the, the Bible reading, but you can go on our Facebook page, and I posted that, uh, a link to that uh, uh, PDF this morning, so you can print it out on your own, and just follow bookmark number two, so follow that. Now, if you are here and you've been listening in, either way, and you've never trusted in, in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this Bible reading program will do you very little good. It, it will fill your head with a lot of good head knowledge, but it will not change your life. It will not change your heart. Only trusting in Jesus can save you only trusted in him will save you now you might come to know him and receive him and trust him through his word but for his word to really change your life you've got to trust in jesus 
and surrender your life to him. I want you to know that Jesus Christ died. The word became flesh, right? Jesus is the very word of God, the full revelation of God. And Jesus Christ became flesh. He took upon himself this old earthly body. And he lived in sinless perfection to his Father's will. And he died on Calvary's cross for your sins and for mine. And if you'll trust in Jesus, he will transform your life. He will give you a desire to, to learn his word. He will give you a desire to live in obedience to his word. He will give you a desire to follow him if you'll only trust him. Will you trust him today? Will you surrender your life to him? That's all there is to it. There's nothing else to do but to receive his grace as a gift. Receive Jesus as a gift. And he'll save your life. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your word. What a wonderful gift of grace. Lord, we could never know you outside of your word. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can know you and grow in our relationship with you through devotion to your word. Thank you, Lord God. And Father, I pray for us as a church. Lord, I pray that this next year, Lord, we would devote ourselves to your word, Lord. Lord, we, we devote ourselves to, to our health and all of these other things, but Nothing compares to devotion to your word. Lord, let us devote ourselves to your word, to trust in your word, to follow your word so that we may honor and glorify your name as your word permeates our lives. Lord, certainly there are those who are either here today or they're, they're listening in, following along on on live stream, wherever they may be, Lord. Certainly there are those who have never trusted in Christ. Lord, let them know the word that became flesh. Let them know Jesus. Let them trust in him today. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen.